Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched The Five Bloods. Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature, and they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. We are at the end of our Spike Lee series and the end of Spike's current run of feature films. Yeah. He has directed a few other things, specifically for television, and some filmed versions of stage productions, mm-hmm. something he's been doing a lot more of recently. But this is his last movie so far. He's got lots in the works, so sure. he's not gone by any means. <sighs> I wish this was a better movie. <sighs> There's a lot about it I really like. Yeah, no, no. I like the... I, I, it's, it's a weird movie. It's not bad. It's just very strange. I'm really, really glad I have seen Apocalypse Now. Because <laughs> I feel like you really need it. You, you need some actual Vietnam War references from the actual source. Yeah. As opposed to sort of the cultural references that come from it. Mm-hmm. In order for this movie to make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's just kind of confused. And I mean, we talked about this. First of all, it's at least 30 minutes too long. Yes. And it's hard for me to know exactly what to cut because some of the best scenes mm-hmm. are ones in which we are solely focused on a single character. Yes. So I don't want to necessarily say like, well, you know, you deal with this this side plot that lasts for 20 minutes. It's like, yeah, but that's kind of one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. I think it's just too ambitious. It's trying to do too many things all in one movie. Yes. And I think, yeah, I think it's not focused enough. And I think some of that comes from the fact that the older cast is playing themselves at a younger age. And I think that confuses things. I don't hate that. I didn't hate it, but I think it muddies things a little bit. Well, okay. See, I didn't want to get into that because it gets into our directing. Yeah. That choice was intentional. Sure. The choice was explicitly to use them. Now, I will say, as we talk about our budget, the budget for this was somewhere between 35 and $45 million, but this was a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. And it wound up being exclusively a Netflix film because this came out right around the beginning of the pandemic. Mm, yeah. So... You know, that is one issue is we have no idea how much money this movie made because it went straight to streaming. Sure. And this is, I believe, I believe Spike has an exclusive deal with Netflix starting with this movie. I'm not sure exactly how many movies he has signed with them, Mm -hmm. but I do know that this is the beginning of a contract with them. Yes. I like that choice. I think, you know, whether or not it was partially we don't have the money to hire more actors. Mm Mm-hmm. Or whether it was, you know, just purely a story thing. He he said he wanted to do it because these were not flashbacks. They were memories. I get that. I do. But I, I do think it muddies, it, it muddies that memory thing. And I think it could have been really interesting to have a mix of those things. I think if you did that, I think it's better if you almost rush him on it where you're flashing back to the same thing, but each guy has a different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And we get that a little bit 
Because we see all of this, and then at the end, we get the twist of Paul's recollection when he's the one who shot it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you're so guilty, and that's why you're so traumatized. Mm. I don't think, I mean, to me, it really just boils down to they they spread it in so many different directions. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's it's got a little bit of that same Chirac issue of it's kind of doing two movies in one where the inspiration that Spike had is actually really solid and smart, mm-hmm. but he diverts a whole lot of energy into the message. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just Black Klansman is the one movie out of this recent trio mm-hmm. where he rode that line perfectly. Yes. He, he gives us a couple of really strong scenes with those messages mm-hmm. and then spends the rest of the time on the plot yes. and lets the plot revolve around, you know, sit in the middle of that environment. And, and these two movies instead, it's almost like he has to make two different movies to make those points. I agree. I, it's just so much of both. And the balance, again, you know, we had the, I had this problem with the last movie. I felt like the balance was off with this one. He's trying to do everything and it's not working. It's, it's, it's too much. And especially as we, as we'll talk about it, the concept and the story that he's pulling from in a lot of ways, it is a story that would work on its own and give the message that he wants on its own. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put a hat on a hat. Now, one of the most interesting things here was it was scheduled as the first Netflix film to screen at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, okay. Interesting. Controversy had erupted in 2017 over issues with streaming over theatrical releases, and the Cannes organizers were incredibly resistant to bringing in streaming services to the film festival. Yeah. It, it, look, we for a while there, it was a battle. Eventually, they all sort of came together on it and now they're trying to screw over the industry but no covid forced everyone's hand this is how it how it is you have to accept this as the form that people see things now and that's great for visibility of your thing but there are other problems at play as we are seeing with the writers and actors strike right now now what's interesting you mentioned that mm-hmm. they were intended to premiere at con in 2020 Mm-hmm. This reconciliation with Netflix happened before the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. So they had finally sort of reconciled. Part of it was that the con organizers pushed so hard that Netflix was like, well, we're just not coming. Yeah. And eventually they'd backdoored it to where they were like, okay, let's get over it. Let's celebrate this. Mm-hmm. And part of it was that Netflix agreed that Spike's movie would not be entered for competition. That's dumb. That they were, they were there to promote it. It was going, you know, you're getting the publicity, but it was not going to be entered for jury prizes and things like that. Yeah. And I think that was an okay compromise from Khan, who's like, we want to promote the theatrical experience. It's what we do. Yeah. COVID-19 outbreak forced the cancellation of that year's festival. So it did not become the first Netflix movie to premiere. Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's talk about our writing. Okay. We have two gentlemen named Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. Now, they've kind of been all over the place. This is really their biggest credit kind of to date. Before this, they wrote Arena, The Rocketeer, Viper for television, The Sentinel for television, and a lot of video games. Hmm. However, they're not active writers. Our active writers 
our one Kevin Wilmot, who we talked about for Chirac. He co-wrote Black Klansman. He's kind of Spike's new collaborator. And of course, Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. We also have a secret writer. Oh. Because this was developed originally as an Oliver Stone vehicle. Interesting. Bilson and DeMeo wrote the original script as a movie called The Last Tour. And it was about white vets going back to find their fallen brother. And Oliver Stone, being one of our foremost chroniclers of Vietnam, Mm -hmm. got into it, was ready to direct, but he moved on from that project. I'm not going to lie. Oliver Stone making this kind of a movie. Mixed bag, depending on how you feel about Oliver Stone, but it's the right kind of movie for him. Yeah, that makes sense. So the producer, Lloyd Levin, read in an interview that one of Spike's favorite movies was The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Mm. And he thought Spike, because he loved that movie, would resonate with a lot of the story elements here. Now, we've never watched The Treasure of the Sierra Madre for the show, Mm -hmm. but I have seen it. And I can tell you, this is very much that movie. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it. It's it's on the list. It is just the the greed of men interrupting the ability to to come together and mm-hmm. work together. Yeah. Spike said, yeah, actually, this sounds really interesting, but they completely reworked it to make it about black soldiers. Of course, that's, that's the way to go. What do we think of the writing of this movie? I think we already got this, right? Yeah, it's just it's a lot. I like the story. I love the concept, the idea. All that's great, but it's it's just a lot. There's too many elements mm-hmm. for it to continue the through. Yeah. And especially them mentioning Treasure of the Sierra Madre, mm-hmm. which the beauty of that film is it gets in and it gets out. And the biggest thing it does is that all it is is these guys find gold. They have to figure out a way to get it. Mm-hmm. But all of them are so greedy and so motivated in their own way that they're blinded to the ability to get it done. That's it. (laughs) That's all you have to do. I think this movie honestly works better if you don't have that final fight sequence at the end. Yeah. I know it's a Vietnam War movie. and At the end of the day, I'm not really mad about it because it's pretty fun to watch some like upper middle aged dudes like going to war. It's pretty funny. Yes. But there's an element of this movie that if they were left with nothing, and only one of them survives and there's no gold and they don't get away with what they had come there for because they couldn't come to terms with each other. Mm-hmm. That resonates so much more. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the point of the movie. Then he's just putting so much extra stuff on there. Yeah. And I don't even hate the flashbacks part of it because I think that's core to who these guys are. I think that's really important to establish their relationship and how they were a team and came together and how they got split apart. Mm-hmm. But I just... It's just, it feels sloppy. It doesn't feel as sloppy to me as something like Chirac, where it was all kind of slammed together for no reason. Mm-hmm. It just feels more like, y'all have really great ideas, you're just doing too many of them in one movie. Either you make a Vietnam movie about black vets, or you make the treasure of Sierra Madre in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Pick one. So. Yeah. I think that's probably the better compromise. And and I say that because when the writing is working, it's so good. Yes. Like those guys interacting with each other is so fun. Yeah. When it's on point, it's fantastic. It then just wanders off so much. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's really the problem. 
Some interesting notes. The five bloods are named Paul, Melvin, Otis, Eddie, and David, and the sixth fallen blood named Norman. The five bloods named are the names of the five members of the Temptations. Hmm. And Norman was the main songwriter and producer of the Temptations during their string of hits. Oh, cool. And also Otis's delivery at the end of Madness, Madness is possibly an homage to Bridge on the River Kwai. Mm-hmm. the very end which we um, also have watched for this podcast we have i do like that otis's is much more dry and sarcastic because mm-hmm. at least he survives yes all right we now move to directing and we have one mr spike lee he's trying to do too much and that's the problem yeah this one wasn't as sharp but god damn it those scenes near the end with paul with Deroy lindo's character where it's just him and the camera fighting through the jungle oh mm-hmm. it's some of his best stuff it's that it's that single shot tracking shot dead on the face yeah and spike's so good at that yes he is and i think the directing matches the writing for this movie it's just when it's great it's incredible mm-hmm. and when it's not it's kind of a you notice you notice you know and and again it's just it's one too many ideas going into it you know, I also wonder if and this is this is not saying anything bad about it, but I wonder if the fact of him being with Netflix and kind of having carte blanche in some ways made him throw too many things at the wall. Maybe he, he didn't self edit as much as he might if he was working under a traditional studio. Mm. It's entirely possible. And that's not that's not that's not to say anything bad. <laughs> It's just like sometimes you've got people who are used to having a lot of different voices telling them how to help, and now they don't have it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it's good, it's really good. Yeah, it is. All right, let's talk about this cast. Mm -hmm. And we start with Delroy Lindo as Paul, back for our third time around with him. God damn it, he's good. Oh, he's excellent. Crooklyn was so effortless and, like, beautiful, subtle. Clockers was like, damn, he can really push the edge. Yeah. This is such a hard role. It is. He is not a likable character. No. <laughs> you have made this man completely traumatized. Mm-hmm. He has become a true conservative, and the reason is he wants his. Yeah. It's a brilliant turn because Spike could have just said, Oh, he's a Trump supporter, and all of us being like, well, what the hell? But it's like, no, no, no. He makes it very clear why he is this way. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, I haven't been getting anything from the... I mean, it's the exact argument that many people made. A lot of people voted for Trump. because, like, well, I haven't gotten what I wanted or was promised to me from the other group, so why wouldn't I try this? Yeah. Valid. And then you have to feel for him at the same time. Mm-hmm. He is asked to do five different things in this role, and somehow he does them all perfectly. <laughs> yes. How, how you do that? It's a magic trick watching him on screen. <laughs> and, and he gets redeemed in the end, and it's believable. Uh, it's, it's good. I don't know about redeemed. Uh, Delroy Lindo did have serious reservations about playing a Trump supporter, and he told Spike this. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I would really prefer you make him a conservative character and not support Trump. And Spike did think about it. Mm-hmm. And then he decided, I can't change it. Yeah. I mean, I think he's right. There's no point in making his character conservative if he's not a Trump supporter. 
that it's just it's a joke because you know what it's code for and this is spike lee you we don't code things well it's that and also i think if you're dealing with again this idea of the greed overcoming their ability to be brothers Mm -hmm. you run into the thing of if he's just a conservative it it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing of him saying yeah i just got tired of of not doing this stuff it does not pack the same acid punch as i'm fucking sick of getting walked all over Mm -hmm. and guess what now i won't be yeah and it it works perfectly for the character like it, it is tough to swallow, but it is absolutely the correct move for the character and for the story being told. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's where it just comes into it's it's the truth. It's the way it should be. <laughs> However, the there is a slight compromise in the fact that they only mention Trump's name a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's only mentioned one time and they only discuss his presidency a couple of times in the movie. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it. And then it's just going to be informed of how it's really just one part of the big puzzle of his character. The next person we have to mention is somebody who we don't really like. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about. It's Jonathan Majors as David. Yeah, he's in timeout right now. Uh, yeah. Timeout to potentially be on timeout. Yes. Um, I won't be giving us credits. No, you know who he is. Um, and it sucks because he is so good. He really is. It's an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. It's very unfortunate. All right, let's move on talking about the rest of these guys because they're awesome. Yeah. We have Clark Peters as Otis. Before this, he was in The Music Machine, Outland, Mona Lisa, Notting Hill, K-Pax, The Wire, Marley and Me, Damages, Red Hook Summer, Treme, John Wick, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and The Mandela Effect. After this, Foundation, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody. What do we think of Clark Peters in this movie? He's great. He's, I mean, he's always great. He's, he's got to play the, the straight guy for this group. Absolutely. Uh, which is not easy. <laughs> uh, and he does, he does a fantastic job. He's the perfect foil to Paul. Yeah. I love the fact that he is, he's the medic. Yeah. What a, it's a smart little twist on, Norman was the leader. Norman was the true soldier out of all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. They were all just a bunch of kids, and Norman made them actual soldiers. Mm-hmm. Otis was the one who made sure they all got out alive. Yeah. And that's a brilliant little twist between him and then Paul, who is out of his mind, but also the only one aware enough to get out of real danger. Mm-hmm. So they're playing off each other constantly of who is the person who actually needs to take charge in this moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also great that he is not a perfect dude. Yeah, and that's important. Like, they, if any one of these guys was, like, shiny and perfect, it falls apart really quickly. I think they do a very good job of making it clear. All these guys got real fucked up by the war. Mm-hmm. Real messed up. Yeah. And how could you not, especially being a black soldier in Vietnam? Yeah. But I think he, again, he's so good at being that straight man. He's mm-hmm. so subtle. And I think that that vulnerability that is different from how they portray any of the other leader type figures makes him interesting to watch. Yeah. We then have Norm Lewis as Eddie, the car dealer, one who supposedly made it out of all of them. Mm-hmm. He's a Broadway star. Um, 
He was the first Black Phantom of the Opera in 2014. Oh, neat. I uh, was nominated for a Tony as Porgy in a 2012 re- revival of Porgy and Bess. And he played Javert in the 25th anniversary of Les Mis. Sweet. For his screen credits, he was in a ton of soaps and TV. He was in Sex and the City 2, Winter's Tale, and Scandal. After this movie, Diana, we have seen him before. Mm-hmm. He was Titus Tate in the Angels in America Riverdale episode in season six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew he looked familiar. Yep. That's Tabitha's dad. Well, Tabitha, Tabitha's dad in like flashback. Yes. It's like a whole weird. The whole thing. Don't just listen to the show. Never watch it. It's so bad. It's just so bad. It's just it's a ride. It's an experience. It's an experience is what it is. What do we think of Norm Lewis in this movie? He's great. Again, he just shows up and does a fabulous job. He shows up and does the work and does an amazing job of hiding the fact that his life is a mess. Yeah. His life is a total fucked up mess. And he's the one out of all of them they thought managed to make it out. Yeah. He's just been putting on a show. Yep. And and then he gets blown up by a landmine. <laughs> yep. Which is so graphic and so shocking. I mean, I knew that was going to happen. You you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know when and to mm-hmm. who. Yeah. But it was going to happen. Which is the brilliant thing. Once. Yeah. But then it's him and you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially they do it the moment after he just breaks down. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, poof, he's gone. Then we have Isaiah Whitlock Jr. as Melvin. Mm-hmm. He has been an Arpon up till this point in Spike stuff, but now we are giving his full credits. Ooh. Before this, he was in Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Goodfellas, Everyone Says I Love You, Eddie, 25th Hour, The Wire, Pieces of April, She Hate Me, 1408, Enchanted, Choke, Cadillac Records, Brooklyn's Finest, Rubicon, Cedar Rapids, Detachment, Red Hook Summer, Veep, Chirac, Pete's Dragon, Chips from 2017, Cars 3, Black Klansman, and The Old Man and the Gun. After this, I Care a Lot, Lightyear, Cocaine Bear, and Your Honor. And he just keeps on working. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yep. He's fabulous. If you're watching Suits, he's on that too. <laughs> I mean, he's a great actor. He's doing the thing he does so well. Mm-hmm. He does get some very interesting moments. Cause like they they always play him as a part comic relief, part I'm not doing that shit guy. Yeah. But I think the scene that gets me more than his final moment is the scene on the boat mm-hmm. when he is the first one when Paul starts having a flashback mm-hmm. to run over and be like, hey, cool it, cool it. We know what's happening. Yeah. He is the absolute first one to recognize it. And he is the guy out of that whole group who is like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. Don't do it. Yeah. Because you know it's not going to be good. None of us are allowed to crack under this pressure. Yeah. Despite him doing all the stuff, again, I, it's nice to get to see him like really chew into a role when he's so often put in a small character punch yes. and this one it's like yeah just this time you get to see him dig in which is nice finally we must mention man legend gone too soon chadwick boseman a stormin norman this was the final film to be released during his lifetime he was working on ma rainey's black bottom at the same time mm-hmm. and that was released after he passed away he's fucking chadwick yeah he's great he's he holds his own so well against those other guys and I mean, he's just, oh, yeah, like 
what what else we could have gotten out of him is just so sad because he was amazing. He's also the reason to me why those scenes didn't feel so off the rails. True. Because I think if it was just a bunch of old guys and some other younger guy, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I don't, I don't fucking get it. But with Chaswick there, it anchors it mm-hmm. in such a way that it feels like, no, I get this. And the only thing I didn't know was, was this intentional? And when I knew it was intentional, I was like, okay, all this makes sense. I like it. And the best, of course, is his vision to Paul Yeah. at the end. When he's finally like, buddy, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> you don't have to feel guilty about this. It was war. It sh- was shit. Mm-hmm. None of us liked being here. <laughs> yep. He's great. He's fantastic. All right. We have an interesting little who could have been better here. Okay. We got a great cast of character actors. We do. Let me tell you who could have been in these roles. Okay. In an interview stating that he was in talks to do the film was Giancarlo Esposito mm. with Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. and John David Washington. Those would have all been amazing. Right? All amazing. That to me, the coolest part about that crew would be how it tracks with them being in all his other work. Yes. And the one addition I would make is Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne or John Turturro. John Turturro could be really interesting too. Now, it uh, for very obvious scheduling reasons, it mm-hmm. was never going to work. Sure. Because all of them were ridiculously busy around this time. Mm-hmm. But man... What a cool little cap that would have been to put those guys together on this crew. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a couple of R puns. Random people of note. Melanie Thierry as Hedy. She is a rising French movie star. Paul Walter Hauser as Simon. I, Tanya, Richard Jewell. He's an incredible character actor who really just needs to not share his opinions because he put his foot in his mouth real bad. Mm-hmm. Jasper Pakonen as Seppo, he is the Finnish actor who played Felix, one of the main KKK members in Black Klansman. Oh, okay. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. I think he might be Spike's new favorite Scandinavian dude. Fair. He loves to work with the same people. Jean Renault as Deroche. Jean Renault. Anyway, Jean Renault is the ship, but he looks... He, with him with no facial hair is very off-putting. But it works. Oh, it works great. It's just it's off-putting. perfect for this. Yeah. Because instead of Jean Renault being like smooth, suave, even older being like he's an uh, he's a smooth and efficient operator. And this yeah. one it's just like, oh, he's a scumbag. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and finally, Veronica No playing Hanoi Hannah. Uh she was Paige Tycho in The Last Jedi, the bombardier that sacrifices herself in the bombing run. Hmm. Awards. Award. It's been a little while, right? Mm-hmm. This was nominated for Best Original Score for Terrence Blanchard. Okay. And he's been doing all of Spike's movies. This one's interesting because it's like a jazz war movie score. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I get it. A couple of points of trivia here. Okay. Along with several other musicians, the soundtrack uses two-thirds of the entire album What's Going On from Marvin Gaye as part mm-hmm. of the soundtrack. Okay. Which is a perfect soundtrack for a movie like this. Yeah. It, it underscores all of the themes that they are dealing with. The credo of Bloods Don't Die, We Multiply is a very specific allusion for the plans for the gold as reparations. Hmm. And finally, the Langston Hughes poem quoted during the footage of Dr. King near the end of the film is Let America Be America Again, 
Spike, however, credited the poem as Let America Be Great Again. Mm. And that leads us to ratings. Ratings. For every movie, we have a specific rating system. For this one, it's got to be gold bars. Gold bars. Got to do it. Three. Yeah. Solid three. It's, its highs are not quite as high as Chirac. Mm-hmm. Its lows are more dull. Because yeah. to me, when this movie is not clicking, it's just boring mm-hmm. and a slog. When it is working, it's incredible. Yes. And I, you know, this is, again, like I said, Spike has so much in the works right now. He has a musical about the creation of Viagra in the pipeline. I love that. Which he loves musicals. He does, clearly. He's he's not done by any long shot. And I will say with this Black Klansman and Chirac, if nothing else, he is reentering a phase of like, he's got a lot that he can chew into and talk about i want to see him work with jordan peele well he's done horror and it didn't go great i know but i think if he was working with a jordan peele it would go well maybe i'd, I'd like to see what those two decide would do, would make together horror or otherwise because they both just have such very cool points of view that's i just want to see them work together yeah i don't know i i could see that and i could also see it being oil and water Maybe it's encouraging that the movies he's making right now are bold. They're going for it. And I appreciate that. And that's why this movie gets a higher grade than it might otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. He's got to get the mix right. Agreed. Because it can be a rough watch. Mm -hmm. And that wraps up Spike Lee. We've had a fun little romp. Maybe not fun. it's, uh, It's been good. It's been good. Lots of interesting stories. Now, Diana. Let's get dumb with it, shall we? Dumb? Okay. Why don't you tell us what we're watching next? Uh, um, so it's been a while since we've been on a sprint like this, and it's about to be, you know, the spoopy times. So Ooh. we're going to do some horror films, but specifically we're going to do a horror series. Uh-oh. David has not seen enough of this one particular villain. Um, we've been on, we, we've gone on the the scream journey and that was great um and we watched the first installment of this next series but we're gonna we're gonna go through to the rest and we're going to hang out with freddy knife hands one (laughs) freddy krueger for the nightmare on elm street series we've already done the first one um so you can go back and check out how we felt about that and we're gonna start with nightmare on elm street 2 i i am preparing myself for Giggles and laughs and also major eye rolls. Oh, for sure. It's going to be great. I'm very excited about this. Oh, boy. Brace yourselves, everybody. So until next time. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook.